picture. They want a conversation. I can handle fans. You see this, Dewey? I haven't had one of these in a year and a half. Someone's gonna pay for this. Jennifer, settle down. What happened? I'm with him. You. Like I'm ever going to win an award playing you. There's been a second murder. Who? Sarah, darling. Where? At the studio. Where? Nancy Drew wants to know where. Cotton Weary, Sarah Darling, don't you get it? Someone's killing them in the order they die in the movie. Dewey, who gets killed third? Who gets killed third? You do. Mary, I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. Anything that Parker Posey is in, she elevates. And I could see how some people going into Scream 3 might have at, at one point felt the opposite and felt that she was dragging down the affair or she was, you know, too funny or too too Scooby-Doo. But I feel like, A, this is my first time seeing Scream 3, and two, watching this now 23 years later, it it works perfectly. Like, the movie needs this needs this it needs this energy and in some ways i almost feel like she's functioning similarly to like a randy like there's sort of a meta humor to her in this movie in particular mm. yeah that's a great way to put it uh the meta being that she is playing gail weathers in a movie with gail weathers Yes, and that she's, you know, I, I think the line about like, oh, right, like I'm ever like like I'd really shop at Judy's like I'm ever yeah. going to like win an award playing you. You know, I think that like, <laughs> I don't know, she's uh, or just the whole idea of like, oh, you know, you die next in the cast. So I'm going to die. And so I'm going to follow you around everywhere you go. Right. So that way they'll kill right. you instead of me. Like it's it is sillier than than Scream 1 and Scream 2, but it didn't bother me I, I really think it worked listen Hollywood actors and I mean this movie is very much not just about the horror genre but about the Hollywood genre about like the horrors of Hollywood which I in retrospect 23 years later right like it's just so it's unexpectedly brilliant right because obviously it's one of the weaker scripts of all of the screams but there's still a triumph here um, because it is skewering something that was ahead of its time. Uh, and I, I just appreciate that. And Parker Porzi's performance is skewering this, this type of character. And I thought it totally made sense. Yeah, I I mean it, also the fact that like she's supposed to be playing basically Jennifer Aniston, right? Like that that's kind of the joke is that her name is Jennifer and Gail has that line of like I'm sorry to hear about you and Brad Pitt and she says that there's someone makes oh. that joke about oh you can just go back to must see TV and I was like, <laughs> "Oh, she's supposed to be like Jennifer Aniston doing a horror movie." <laughs> And so, like, that's brilliant. That layer, too. No, because again, I had not seen this before. I'd seen Scream One a couple of times. I'd seen Scream Two, I think, twice. I think the second time was when we covered it last year. And then I haven't seen Four, Five, and Six. But oh. I have to say, I really enjoyed this. And in comparison, Scream Two, I came out of that with like a lot of furrowed brow and a lot of like, um, that didn't make sense. And. <laughs> 
really like Scream Two is impeccable. Oh, so and all, oh my it needs to be said. Oh, I just it's like if you give a mouse an incontinuity, he's gonna find another plot hole. And I, whereas this really worked for me and um, had some really solid set pieces, and I was like mm. fine to go for the ride. Yeah, it 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 was just sort of a departure, and a lot of it was written very very quickly. There was that joke that Jenna McCarthy says, like, "Ugh, another rewrite," um, which is meta in itself. Um, that whole scene was very meta too, which we'll get to Jenna McCarthy's death scene. But um, I don't know how much you know about why this script was written and why Kevin Williamson wasn't on this project. So I think my understanding is that he was busy with some other show. Was it Buffy? Dawson's Creek. (laughs) Dawson's Dawson's Creek. Creek. Dawson's Creek. So he was busy, but I think what I had read was that he did provide an outline of what he thought this should be. And then Aaron Kruger pulled a Barbara Hershey in Black Swan was like, this is garbage. It's fine. It's garbage. And he threw out the outline and wrote his own script, and then Wes Craven was like, "This is garbage too," and I got to rewrite some of this. And that's my understanding. So, uh, the one detail that I think is very interesting, um, topically, is that Kevin Williamson's script originally had Stu from the first movie, Matthew Lillard, uh, to have to not have died, and he was in prison. And his whole character was like creating high school killers. Like he was the one, he was the mastermind behind all of these high schoolers that were killing kids in their schools. And of course, Columbine happened and they were like, oh, we, we actually should not be anywhere near that plot of a script. Uh. So they scrapped it completely Kevin Williamson couldn't do a rewrite because he was too busy anyway. And then uh, this writer came on. Yeah. I mean, and that's also why they left Wordsboro. It's why they went to Hollywood, which I think is an also an interesting uh, choice, right? Because, you know, you got to stay in Woodsboro, but they, but they didn't. Uh, they, they also wanted to distance themselves completely from any school. I see. I see. And then, you know, the they did i mean obviously we'll talk about the the sets that they built so there was a way in Uh, which they could go back to woodsboro but it it didn't involve uh any school scenes yeah um well that's that's interesting i uh i mean that all makes sense but i also feel like that that's kind of a, a flower to kevin williamson that he was a bit prophetic with his idea Hmm. Yeah, certainly. I mean, Kevin Williamson, oh, God, I just, uh, I'm sure that he's problematic or people hate him for something, but uh, Scream 4 is so good. And noticeably, the dialogue and the commentary on the horror genre is back in Scream 4. Mm-hmm. And that's what's sort of missing from Scream 3. I mean, it's there in like the trilogy talk, but it's not, the whole script isn't just like laced with references sure there are a lot of them a lot but it's not presented in i think is uh brilliant of a way that kevin williamson often does things yeah i would say like that i definitely felt was and i think 
I can like Kevin Williamson can be like very proud of his references and like really wants to make sure you're seeing that he's a reference queen. And I'm fine with that because it's part of the aesthetic. But I, 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 so that, that sounds like a read, but it's just like, sometimes it's like, oh my God, it's just like psycho. Um, (laughs) Oh, that's, that's, he's got mommy issues. Oh yeah. The soundtrack, it's like the same thing. Um, But I felt, I did feel a lack of that here and it, but it, in the same token, I also felt like some of the, like, this is a trilogy, all bets are off. I felt like it was a, bit shoehorned in that I kind mm. of forgot about all of that until we got like the Randy tape. I was like, oh, I didn't mm. I actually didn't even need any of this. Like, this is why we got to follow the rules of a horror movie. I thought it was just kind of like, you know, the continuing saga of these people. Sure, sure. I think it would have been I think it would have been more elegantly placed uh, mm-hmm. in terms of it being a trilogy had Kevin Williamson penned more of the dialogue, but uh, that's not to take away anything from this writer. What's the writer's name? I don't have it in front Aaron of me. Kruger. Oh, so Aaron he Kruger. did The Ring. Um, yes. He did. Oh, he did Reindeer Games. You love that movie. He did Scream 3. He did Scream uh, 3. Yes. He did Arlington Road with Joan Cusack. Oh, Arlington Road. Yeah. He wrote oh, Top Gun God, Maverick. I mean, that just was a big oh, hit. Oh, my God, of course. Oh, my God, the skeleton key. Oh. With, uh, what's her name? Kate, with, uh, yeah. her daughter. Yeah, Ben, uh, it's not hot. It's not, uh, how to lose a guy. Yeah, yeah how to lose ben, a guy. Ben, it's not diet. Yeah. Ben, it's not a skeleton key. Ben, yeah. Ben. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it's a twist. Ben, Ben, they're, they're going to take our souls, you know. Uh, <laughs> spoiler alert for skeleton key. <laughs> I've never seen it. Um, yeah, uh, we were talking about Scream Three. Oh, from uh, from the the Hollywood standpoint, I don't know. I thought it was it was just surprising. I guess I thought sort of knew about it, but Mary, when all that stuff that scene with Milton, that was actually going to be my first idea, but uh, to be the clip of the week. But I was like, ah, maybe we shouldn't start there. But that whole monologue when they confront him in his office, I was like, "Holy shit!" Oh, that Milton. Was Holy shit! Basically, they did this on a Weinstein pr- uh, yeah. production. I'm just like, this is so wild. Yeah, that he pretty much had his own little casting couch, his his private screening room where shit went down. And you know, if you were uh, if you were poor Rena Rena Reynolds, you know, uh, mm. you might you might cross the wrong path. Uh, yeah, I thought that was also, especially it being a Miramax production, I was like, wow, that's, uh, you're really, you're really calling, you're playing chicken here, you know? It was, it was just like, you have to hide in plain sight, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, God. Well, I'll, I'll talk more about that as we jump into this movie, but I do want to talk about the cold open, uh, with Cotton Weary. The killer is Cotton fucking Weary. Um, in Scream 3, did you think he was going to die? I, I wasn't sure. And then I was like, oh, I, like to me, it, it felt like a nod that Cotton was wearing a white Casey Becker sweater. And that to me <laughs> oh, felt like wow. a nod of like, oh, Cotton, you're the Casey of this, se- this episode, this, this move, this sequel. Um, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Slave Schreiber. Uh, so fucking sexy. I got to say that fucking ribbed sweater changed men's fashion for years to come i mean he was so fucking hot i know that it was like popularized by a lot of the boy bands um jc chaze and 98 degrees nick lachey and stuff like that but like him wearing this 
Oh, yeah, God. absolutely. It it was, uh, you know, I was not weary of all of that 100% uh-uh. cotton, I'll tell you that much. No. And no, you no, know no. that Christine Weary, played by Gossip Girl's own Kelly Rutherford, was enjoying. Kelly Rutherford, yeah. Uh, it, oh. Yeah. And I, you know, to be honest with her, I was like, I knew, obviously, like, once we met her, I was like, oh, Kelly, like, you, this, you're basically um, like Sarah Michelle Gellar in Scream 2. Like, this, don't get comfy. What are you doing here? What are you, yeah, doing, what here? Are you doing here? But Yeah, well, interesting, because the Sarah Michelle Gellar in Scream 2 is is Casey. Uh, sorry, is uh Candy. Um and we'll talk about that Oh, oh, she's I see what you're saying. Yes, yes, yes. Uh She's smidge. Yeah. Um yeah, no. I I also one of the things I noted is I feel like Cotton Weary driving like a fucking idiot in the scene is why hands-free driving was invented. When he's driving that Tony Soprano SUV, you uh-huh. know. Yeah. Only assholes yeah. drive that SUV. Oh. <laughs> Only assholes. Oh, that's a, it's a free episode. Okay. I'm just, oh, that's right. It's a free episode. I censored yeah. myself. So, uh, sorry to all of your dads out there that are driving these large Chevy Tahoes. Um, oh, I was going to make an asshole joke, but I decided not to. So oh, about dad's sorry. assholes? Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, so, okay, so you knew that he's, his number was up. You were like, oh, okay. He's not going to. Yeah, it felt like, you know, because... W- what was it? In obviously in in the first scream, it was Casey. It's Casey, right? I'm not making that up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then who? Casey Becker. Casey Becker. Yeah. And then in the second one, it was uh, basically Jada Jacob Jada Pickett Smith. Um, yes. Uh, so you know, I'm trying to keep her name out of my fucking mouth. Sorry. And then in Scream Three, <laughs> it was uh, it was leaving Kelly. So yes, uh, yes, yeah. So I just feel like this is a Scream thing. Where we open with like let's you know uh, in the words of Shania Twain let's go girls you know yeah that's that's it scream three yeah and then uh, we of course get introduced to the fabulous Nev Campbell who's become a country girl um, pioneering telehealth industries yeah um, and yeah uh, you know one thing I just like an overall general thing that I need that needs to be stated once a year. Neff Campbell is perfect in this role. She is the perfect final girl. She's the perfect Sydney Prescott. I absolutely adore her. I think she's great. I do too. I think that she is, you know, because of course, you know, I don't know if I've mentioned this, but I am A, I'm a child of divorce and B, this is the first time I'm seeing season three or Scream three, season three, Um, season three of Scream. Uh, But it's, it is fun to see the evolution of Sidney Prescott and the endurance of Sidney Prescott. And what I really enjoyed was A, yes, that she gets to work from home every day in the country with that sweet dog who does not die. And oh, uh, that was a relief because that dog has the cutest little trot. He's just like, boop, 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 boop. Uh, but I also, in terms of flowers for Nev, is that in the early scene when she's in her kitchen and she hears the news that, you know, uh, the, the victim is cotton fucking weary. She does some great dog food acting where the bag slowly uh-huh. drops out of her arms. Yes. And I, was just, I noticed that too. Purina was like, thank yep, you. Nev. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Sorry. I you missed out on that product placement. Uh, maybe I'll, maybe the next, I know you did last summer movie. You could get in on that. Mm. But, uh, I, mm. I did, I did give a, you bitch for that. That was a great moment. Uh, she's just so fabulous. Um, I, I wanted to make sure that we were on the same page 
about the first time we see Gail Weathers speaking at the college campus. And it's, to me, it was a copycat reference, right? I would love to believe that. I, I would like to decide, like, put up your dukes because this is a copycat reference and honestly these movies should be making copycat references given the fact that like every movie is another copycat killer basically right yeah exactly uh copycat uh in that she's wearing red she's standing you know she's speaking yep uh about you know uh what is it uh what 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 did the college kids say like uh killing each other or something like that yeah um yeah about yeah yeah, challenging her stabbing people in the back to get ahead yeah right well and given the fact that copycat what's funny is it's really it's sydney who really gets the copycat bathroom moments but Mm. gail gets you know what i mean because like that to me is like the full copycat reference is going to the bathroom in the red suit you know Yes, if you go into a bathroom with stalls in a red suit, girl, it's it's copycat. You better fucking yeah. run. That's a great Halloween yeah, costume. That's a great Halloween. Yeah, like sure. it's you're wearing yeah. the red suit. Maybe there's the, uh-huh. the like the 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 thing around your neck, you know, which is kind of dark. Yeah, the wire. But then also uh-huh. like a piece of yeah. toilet paper on your shoe because you got to indicate yes. the bathroom. Like, you know? very, yeah, completely, completely. Yeah, maybe one shoe is off. Yes, though, right. Doesn't one shoe because one shoe falls off, yeah. and it's like anybody yeah. who gets that reference, like marry. Marry them. I don't care what they are. Marry them. No, all they would have to do, they walk up to me and go, put up your dudes. Exactly. I just kiss them. Exactly. Yeah. Right. It'd be like, oh, the universe yeah. you've delivered, you know? Yeah. Oh. Oh, so good. Well, uh, yeah, we get Courtney Cox with the bangs, Mary. The bangs. It is it is really egregious. It really is like a child grabbed the kitchen cutter shears out of the, out of the drawer and just, you know, went to town in the, in the half bathroom off the kitchen, you know? Uh, I, but it's not worse than the streaks from Scream 2. Oh, right. Uh, like, I feel like this is better. I guess the streaks live in a certain late 90s aesthetic that has, like, a, a nostalgic uh, place for me. Like, it reminds me of going to, like, the the Walgreens and going down the hair care, the, like the hair color aisle. And there's that one where you like pull the, you put the plastic bag over your head and you pull the strands through the holes and it just colors those streaks. And like, and I remember like the boxes of like sun in and as a young gay, like part of me was cataloging by looking at those boxes, you know? So Ugh. I guess I have a certain feeling for that. This to me is unfortunately much worse. Um, but what I will say also is that, and maybe this has always been true, but there is a world in which I think Gail Weathers, either as a character to play in a movie or the character herself, has big Michelle Visage energy. Like I could see Michelle playing Gail, and I. Oh wow! Yep, <laughs> I really could, and I know she wouldn't nail it, but I like, or I'd want Michelle in a sort of Parker Posey role. Like I just. I don't know that the, the era has passed where Michelle could be in a screen movie, but because it's just, they're different now. They're a bunch of kids yeah. in New York, you know? Um, it, yeah. It's like, a, it's like Felicity um, now, you know? I mean, I, I definitely just want to validate what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Um, and new topic. I, I think Courtney Cox, I'm just so proud of her for being one of only, I guess really only two of the friends that just broke out of friends. I feel like Courtney Cox 
is so lived in Gail Weathers. It's such a perfect role for her, similar to anything Lucy Kudrow did. So I, I, yeah, I just enjoy her so much in this role, playing this like total asshole bitch who is just like two steps ahead of people usually. Oh, I just love it. Man, you're really bringing up a topical topic with friends, you know? No, I know. I know it's very sad. It's very sad. Yeah, I was not a Friends fan, so I, uh, but I get it. You know, like, if one of the Real Housewives yeah. passed away, you know what I mean? If Dorinda passed away, I get it. I would totally get it. Um, well, and I think it's also new for people because he was so young. And so it's like, you know, if Julia Louise Dreyfus or... Anybody in mm. the cast of Seinfeld, you know, it's just like that era. Golden Girls was like a generation before us. So like we were getting used to that. Yep. But the Friends is like another group of people. It's like Saved by the Bell. You know, it's just like uh, when when Dustin Diamond died, like it, it hit people hard because it was part of their childhood that left a little too soon. And, and, you know, to really rub the salt in the wound, we experienced this with the Golden Girls where it was like Betty White is the last surviving Golden Girl. Betty White yeah. is the last surviving cast member of you know, Mary Tyler Moore. And we're going to uh-huh. see the same thing with, like, you know, the last surviving cast member of Step by Step. You know, it's not it's not Suzanne Somers, I'll tell you that. It might be oh. it might be uh, it might be Cody, you know. Um, but, you, you know, we'll see that, with, you know, in however many years, it's going to be the exact same headline with Friends, you know. Jesus. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I've been on this kick lately where I think, you know what would be great tonight? Reading before bed. Wow. Wild stuff, Mary. And then I get into my little nightgown, and Marco gets into his, and we crawl into bed, and I proceed to watch TikToks for an hour until the melatonin takes the wheel. What happened to the book? Well, I don't know. My brain knows it's a good idea. I'll sleep better. I'll be reading again. It's a nice break from my phone. But I just don't feel like it, I guess. Oh, I know that feeling. It's like there's this great big sign that says, read your book, but then you don't. What is that about? I don't know, Mary, but I feel like there might be something that could help answer that question. If I was a betting man, I'd wager a couple nickels that we're about to talk about therapy. Pay up, Mary. Happily, because you know what? I do love talking about therapy. Marys, if you're also doing any number of things other than the thing you know is good for you, maybe it's time to give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash AllRightMary today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash AllRightMary. All right, Mary. Well, anyway, Courtney Cox is great as Gail Weathers. And I think I, I think it, it took this movie for people to appreciate Courtney Cox as Gail Weathers because of the scenes that she has with somebody mocking Gail Weathers. Yeah, I think, you know, the thing is that in, I feel like in the other two screams that I've seen, because I don't know if you know this, I've only seen this one once, uh, and I haven't seen four, five, and six. Uh, no, I've seen five. I've seen Scream Five, Five Cream. I, I have. I take Five that. Cream. I have seen yeah. that. But, and maybe this is true about that as well, is oftentimes Gail 
just as she's like getting her feet in the water, she gets like punched in the face or shot, and then she's like escorted mm. out of the movie. And so I feel like I was expecting that here. We're like, oh, okay, so when does Gail get escorted out of the movie? And so what was kind of nice was like, oh, Gail actually gets to like do some things here. Yeah, she gets she gets pretty far. So does Parker Posey, by the way. Yeah, I kind of didn't she gets think really far. I didn't think she was gonna die. I for oh. some reason thought that they were gonna which I would have loved. Just the idea of sparing that kind of character. Like yeah. I think when a movie doesn't kill someone you expect to die, I think that is sometimes more interesting than when somebody you didn't expect to die does die. Yeah, it would have made sense to spare her, I think. Yeah, I think it would have felt um, or, ki- good. or kill her off very quickly, right? But she was oh she's so good in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, she's right. So like because like, you know, Jenny McCarthy was like when I looked at the timestamp, I was like, oh, my God, she died within the first, like, 25 minutes. Um, yeah, that's the joke. Uh, she is in two scenes. She's very much the Sarah Michelle Geller of this movie. They're referencing Sarah Michelle Geller. She's in two scenes. Uh, and, you know, she's blonde. You know, it's it's all very, very similar, uh, which I think is smart. What was Sarah Michelle Geller's character's name in Scream 2? CC. CC. I kept thinking, I kept confusing CC and Casey, obviously, for obvious reasons. Um, well, the reason you did that is because the killer uh, in Scream 2, the mom and, you know, the, the sexy guy from uh, Broken Hearts Club, he, they, they killed in the same order as Scream 1, but using like first names. Or like first letters. Oh, interesting. Oh, well, see, there you go. You know, I think it was Casey Cooper is Cece. Cece Cooper. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. So it was Casey Becker. So it was C and C. Yeah. Um, and then Maureen, I think, uh, was Jada Pinkett Smith's character's name. Anyway, so it all kind of added up. I see. Yeah, so I guess it depends if they go by first name or last name, because if it's first first or last name, if I was in a Scream movie, I would be dead by the halfway mark. You you got to be careful if it's last name. You're, you know, don't put on a white sweater, I'll tell you that much. All right, Mary, I definitely won't. Yeah, um, all right. So, yeah, so uh, what else in this book? Okay, so uh, we, we are introduced to the set of Woodsboro, but in Hollywood, and I just... I just love that setup. I love that we're still in Woodsboro, even though it's Hollywood. And it, again, points to um, illusions and uh, things not being what they seem. I I know I'm probably thinking too deeply about Scream 3, but uh, I just have to appreciate the set of Woodsboro in Hollywood. Um, that they that they managed to still stay in Woodsboro. And then they cast, I thought brilliantly, these three actors uh playing the actors emily mortimer jen mccarthy and dion richmond and uh, matt kieslar um who were just these great versions of the characters that were also in the movie you know well and i think like so yes i think the casting is you know and we'll we'll certainly talk about uh jenny and emily and, and who i kept thinking you know he, matt kessler i was like or Keesar was like, so is this Kip Pardue? No. He's just one of those, right. you know what I mean? Just one of those white blonde guys. Um, sure. But, uh, or just, you know, white, whatever. Um, I And I did know, like, his name is Tom Prince, 
and Jenny and mm. Sarah Darkling and obviously Angelina Tyler Jennifer Jolie yes. like Jolie yeah yes. so Tyson Fox is maybe like Tyson Beckford I don't know um, Matthew Fox Matthew yeah. Fox no, Claudia I'm yeah, sick yeah uh, so I did notice all of that but the other thing I I noticed Jamie Foxx uh, Fox, of course I feel like I'm watching The Masked Singer yeah. which with Jenny McCarthy is that Jamie Foxx yeah. uh, well, I know I that. know that voice um, and this I think I remember even talking about this a little bit in Scream 2 that that opening scene in the movie theater where everyone is just like so raucous and so over the top and it's like this is a a film version of like a brutal murder that happened. Like this is kind of, I mean, I'm not, this is a dark reference, but like it's somewhat, let, let's choose one we already talked about. Like, you know, Oh, someone just, you know, did a movie version of Columbine. And now there's all these people in trench coats running around with fake guns uh, screaming. You know what I mean? Yeah, like so fucked up. there was this yeah, like, so and I, up. and I get that it's also representing like, this is how people are about like tragedy as entertainment. And I think uh -huh. that that kind of like, it took me a little bit to get together with that in Scream 2, whereas in Scream 3, I felt like they don't really drive it home, but I thought, for instance, in the opening clip or seeing this kind of casting of quote-unquote real people, there's just like such a removal of the fact that like this really happens. Like when, when there's the joke of like Gail being like, I die in Stab 3, it's like, or this woman's playing me, and it's like, they talk. They talk about it as if it was all a movie, and there's just mm. like not. I think Sydney. It makes sense that she needed to go into isolation because she's like the only person who I think is like fully acknowledging like this is not a movie. This really fucking happened. This gotten fucking weary and like is yeah. really experiencing the trauma of it. Whereas like people like Dewey and and Gail and whatnot are like staying almost toxically close to it. You know what I mean? And, oh. and and thus disconnected. Like, you think about it, Dewey's sister got killed, and he's yeah. the technical advisor on the movie set of the third of the second sequel. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, but Dewey's... It makes sense for Dewey's character and Gail's character. Both of them are chasing legitimacy constantly. He is He just wants people to take him seriously and pay attention to him. Gail just wants fame and fortune, and she... Yeah, she's just chasing... Uh, you know that fame uh, whereas you know Nev it's like okay yeah Nev's mom died you know her dad was kidnapped her boyfriend was trying to kill her I mean it was just very traumatic and yeah of course you're gonna want to disappear but the others the other two I think are a little bit yeah, they're a little bit off. Well, I mean, that's the other thing is, like, let's also just acknowledge, like, Dewey is kind of a soft cheese. Like, there's just, there, <laughs> there's a sort of, like, there's a head injury quality to this performance. And I've never been able to really tell if this is, like, a David Arquette thing or a Dewey thing. But there's just kind of a, like, oh, yeah, you know, he we went on vacation when he was 12 and uh, just he fell off the slide, uh, you know, Dorney yeah, Park. And well, I, it's never the same, you know? I think that's, I think that's always been a thing. Uh, he just plays this dim-witted cop. Like, he is supposed to be dim, you know, just kind of kind of dumb. The Deputy Dewey boy, right? Tatum always made fun of him. And he's like, come on, I'm a man of the law. You know, he's he is he's he's actually not supposed to he got all season high school you know like he's actually not supposed to have this job no he's, he's not he's he's not that good at he's it. paul blart he's a mall cop 
And sure, uh, yeah, just that's just this thing I've always noticed of like, oh, like Dewey, you're just, you're just like the pudding is not set. You know, it's still he's a real sweetie daddy. Sweet, sweetie daddy. Sweet, just not firm. Just sweet, but not firm. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Uh, um, we have to talk about this entrance of Parker Posey, the other actor in the movie that's cast. Um, and this is. I think any scene with Parker Posey is my favorite part of the movie. Um, and I like this, just this short exchange with Courtney Cox, you know, she comes in hot playing this fan, uh, you know, of, of Courtney Cox and being like, Oh my, or of Gail Weathers being, like, Oh my God, I can't believe blah, 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 blah. And then you watch her just like shift and start playing Gail Weathers. She mm-hmm. lowers her voice. She changes her demeanor. She has these like, facial expressions when I mean it's there's all of these choices that this actress is making and I I just found it so brilliant yeah she starts to like walk differently like tries to kind of like take Mm. on a commanding walk yeah it's uh, I I thought I would I mean I think with maybe a different actress I might not have enjoyed this so much but I feel like Parker Posey just has that ironic tone that I Mm. I think worked really well and it does make you wonder what she would have done with a Kevin Williamson script, certainly. Oh, God, robbed. Well, listen, uh, I want to talk about the quote, which I think, again, is uh, just a little gem here. Uh, and maybe ahead of its time. Maybe not, because it was very of the time. But pop culture is the politics of the twentieth, 21st century. I I mean, I think a variation of this is like social media is the reality TV of mm. of this era. Like, I think it's a very it, it's a version of that of like, where are people listening? What are people listening mm. to? What will people what are they arguing about? Yeah. What will people what are people arguing about deciding what they're on sides about and thus where will they spend their money? Yeah, I think Brangelina, I think just like all of InSync and Britney Spears and the Christina Aguilera feud and all of the things that were happening at the end of the 90s and before 9-11, right? Before politics just kind of took back over, Mm -hmm. uh, people were more concerned with, uh, you know, who Jennifer Lopez got a divorce from. Right. And I mean, I think, you know, it it goes without saying that like the, the... you think about like where the information was coming from, how the communication could be happening, you know? So it's like there was, mm. you know, yeah, there were chat rooms, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, but there were, there were chat, rooms. there, there were chat rooms. They were in chat rooms, you know, and there were websites and whatnot, but like there wasn't, you know, there was, there were people magazine spreads, but there, there were message mm. boards, but there weren't social media posts. There weren't, you know, videos, there wasn't all of that. And so mm. I kind of feel like, um, it's like within that first decade of the 21st century, it's like, yes, you know, for a lot of, certainly for Americans, like, you know, politics got very real and then we just got more and more expanded ways to express our feelings about it. Sure. Sure. I mean, I I can't help but think about Taylor Swift dating that football player and people having opinions about that. Right. Like the fact, I just think this quote is very smart. Pop culture is the politics of the 20, 21st century. Um, there's, there's a lot to that. Um, because there is so much, I mean, there's the, the Swifties are fierce, right? The, uh, the Bayhive, the beehive is, uh, fierce. There's just, 
uh, people with very, very strong opinions that are treating pop culture like it is politics. Well, you think it's like when people talk about how now that, you know, Taylor is basically helping to like sell tickets to football games, you know. And right. so, you know, you think about like, OK, Taylor, how can you get the vote out? How can we use Taylor <laughs> and Beyonce and whoever else on, you know, Twitch, that guy you love? Uh, how can you use your power to get the vote out or something else like uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like that though, that joke of like, let's Taylor dating a client, a climate scientist, you know, like, yeah, I, but there's a lot of truth to that. And the reality is like, sure. if anyone can get the vote out, it's Taylor W. Swift. Mary, for sure. This is not related to Taylor Swift at all. But if I don't say it now, I might forget. Uh, but at some point in this movie, we're also introduced to some visions of Maureen. Uh, oh. Maureen Prescott and I don't know about you but I was getting big troll to Lenore Gilgood energy <laughs> big Lenore Gilgood when she was coming Sydney yeah when when she had the yes. corn I was like oh <laughs> I know I know her I remember her uh, you know if I'm gonna tell you the worst part about Scream 3 it's the the Maureen Prescott's ghost uh parts of it they they were shoehorning in this supernatural thing and i i i didn't like it at all it wasn't even funny sometimes it was kind of scary but i i didn't think it fit with the movie i didn't think it fit with the franchise um i i yeah i didn't like it at all i thought it was a really bad choice and you didn't need it it really didn't add anything if anything it just was like okay so sydney's now having visions of her mother i don't i just wasn't it kind of came out of nowhere also i mean this is a little bit separate but obviously one of the gags in the movie is that he's got you know he can change his voice to sound like all these different people and i just thought like okay how did you get maureen's voice okay okay um okay because it reminds me of back in the day the stepford wives like one of the things, one of the little elements of that is the one guy gets her to like record saying all these different words. And that's kind of how they use mm. it to build the robot's voice. And it was like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But here, I guess I just don't understand the power of voice transformation. Nowadays with deep fakes, it's very easy. But back in 2000, this just seemed like some real advanced technology for oh, the turn yeah. of the century. Completely. Cotton Weary sounded exactly like Cotton Weary. Yeah. Nev Campbell sounded exactly like Nev Campbell. Yeah, the the technology, you just had to, like, suspension of disbelief. You just had to kind of go along with it. Like, oh, he has this special tool Mm -hmm. uh, that can mimic other people's voices. And in terms of Maureen and Sydney's mom, I just assumed, oh, it's he, like, watched one of the movies that she was in and was able to capture her voice and then AI it, you know? I don't know. Aaron Kruger. I don't know what this is. I don't know what idea this was mm. that, you know, Wes wasn't able to rewrite. But whatever. I also, like, I I did kind of just go with it with this movie. I don't know why, but I was just like, okay, whatever. Maybe because I, mm. I like had the set expectation that this was a weaker scream movie that I kind of like went sure. in with lower expectations. I'm like, okay, well, yeah. she's going to do what she's going to do, you know? 
Right, right. Well, there is an interesting exchange between Nev and her dad that I thought uh, is worth noting. Um, he says, you know, the only people you talk to don't even know your real name. It's as if you don't exist. And it, to me, it was kind of an eerie herald to the social media age where people don't use their real identities and have anonymous accounts or screen names and never meet them in person. And they're connected socially, but there's nothing really social about it. Uh, I, I, I thought it was an interesting uh, parallel to something that hadn't really happened yet. And there's something weirdly, I don't know, uh, I, it would get old, but there was something oddly kind of comforting of the idea of like oh man imagine if you just like lived in this nice little compound with this great dog maybe some cats you know in nature and you had a job where like you didn't even have to be you you could just be laura on the phone and there was just there was an element of that was like oh that's kind of nice you know like you're you're insulated because i think i think maybe that's what it is is that you're insulated from so sure. much of the downside of like putting yourself out there and being connected. Mm. Yeah. I mean, especially if you want, and it's, it's funny that we're both kind of recognizing a comfort in that, you know, some people are like, that sounds horrifying, but uh, it makes sense that we would find a comfort in that. Right. Because we're both a little bit self-conscious. We have kind of anxiety about that kind of stuff. I think a lot of queer people do, but um yeah, I think it would get old. I, I I am curious though, before we move on, what would your name be? Would it it wouldn't be Laura? What would it be? Oh, I guess it wouldn't be Laura. You know, I think Joan. Joan. I think I would probably be Joan. Um you know, I guess yeah, that's a good question. Cause now I'm like, well, it can't be the, it's not the porn name. It's an because you know, it's like you think of like, oh, that game of like, oh, what would your porn name be? And it's a name that you want a bit of attention for. I need the opposite. I want a name where I'm getting no attention, you know? And so maybe right. I'm just Joan F. Uh huh. Joan, Joan F, F. Period. Joan F. I think I like a Cheryl or a Brenda. Yeah. You know? Bren. Like, oh, I'm. Hi, I'm Brenda. Yeah. Nice I, to meet you. you, you know. Yeah, put your little headset on. Put your little... Yeah, thank you, know, you for calling. Thank you for calling, yeah. Can I help? Uh, she looks like one of those old American Express commercials where they would have like, mm. we're waiting on the line, uh, to so call today. And they always had those little clear little headsets on. You know what I'm talking oh, about? Yeah, the headsets. Yes, of course. Yeah. Of course I do. That the idea headset. that like there's a bunch of people at American Express that are just waiting. They're standing by to sign you up for a credit card with a headset on. <laughs> so excited. Well, that's like a lot of a lot of customer support is people with headsets. Yeah. Just typing away and call centers. Yeah, they're typing to people. Yeah, call centers. But now there's you can t- chat live with a customer representative. Mm-hmm. They're either a bot or a real person. You know, it's, uh, it's fascinating. Yeah, uh, it's I've I've only heard nightmare stories about working in places like that. Oh my god, nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, absolutely, Dream Warriors. Well, let's talk about Jen McCarthy's death scene. Um, I I, it's credit to the writer, but for him to add in Jenny McCarthy of all people to say, stab three, Jesus, I got to get a new agent. Uh-huh. I think is is a little bit of brilliance there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was smarter than her being like, you know, something about like a shower, you know, a shower scene. It, it, people have already mm. seen it. Vertigo. Hello. And it's like, oh, see, I just think like that's where like we, let's try a little harder. Like, let's not, <laughs> like, come on. Let's try a little bit harder on that one. Let's <laughs> let's 
let's dust up that joke, you know, or brush it up. Let's sure. brush up that joke. Sure. Punch it up. Punch yeah. it up. Let's punch up that joke, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I Don't ask me. I'm no Aaron Kruger, but it just felt like a dumb joke. Um, so, you know, what's interesting is, and I feel like this happens a few times more after this, but when she gets killed... She and Cotton Weary have both get stabbed, and Christine Weary all get stabbed. No, he Cotton gets stabbed in the chest. But there's a lot of being stabbed in the back in this movie. I noticed that that was like mm. a running kill. Was like someone being like stabbed in the back, you know? Uh huh. Uh huh. And I don't know. That's just Is that. Me. Are you are you finding a bigger theme with that of uh, uh, betrayal? I, I and... don't. I mean, I guess you could, but I think there's also that sense of like a scream movie is also it's not it's not quite a final destination movie but i feel like the death the deaths can be set pieces like tatum you know getting killed in the doggy door uh, and you know what sure. i mean like it's just it becomes a bit more of a thing casey becker's chased through the house all or not casey becker it's cc uh, cooper you know yeah a brilliant brilliant death scene that's kind of my one problem with jenny mccarthy if it was supposed to sort of model sarah michelle geller's death scene or or cc I thought this it was it started off really great. I actually loved that they went into that costume room and whatnot, uh, with the fake knife and everything. But the chase scene just was so short. Yeah, isn't is it in part four where there's like a chase scene through like a sound studio or a soundproof? No, that's part two. Oh, that's part two. I was like, that's why have I seen two. that? Because that I think was really effective. Ah, so cool. And I was hoping for um, something similar here. Yeah, no, we got none of that. And it was a very, I don't know. It's like, uh, even the way that she got killed wasn't, I don't know. It was just so unceremonious. And not referencing, I feel like they could have referenced Cece here by throwing her off the building, but they did that later, you know? Yeah, right, with, with uh, Tyson. He got thrown out the window. Yeah. Uh, it was like... No, no, no. Uh, the And then the um, the agent... She got thrown off the parking structure. The agent got thrown off a parking structure. Yeah, that that girl from Glow. In this movie? Oh yeah. Am I? Oh, am I thinking? Am I thinking Scream Four? I think you're thinking Scream Four because who? Betty okay, Gilpin? Yes. No, you're right. I am. I just watched Scream Four. I'm confusing. Screen that death is not in this scene. That death is in Scream Four. Spoilers. Um. Yes. Sorry. It's uh Nev Campbell's book agent. Oh, her yeah. book agent. Is it Betty Gilpin? No, no, no. Oh, thank no, no. God. It's uh, that famous girl from Glow. Allison Brie. Yes. Okay. Yeah, because Betty Gilpin's in that as well. Ring, ring. Anyway, uh, Jenna McCarthy is dead. Um, were you surprised that they killed her off or not? I knew that she would die. I, you know, I just thought it, yeah, it was a little quick and I thought it would be a little bit more, you know, uh, more of an extended set piece, but, uh, what are you going to do? Um, I don't know. What are you going to do? Uh, you know, here's something, cause I feel like not long after this, we get like Sydney gets the phone call from Ghostface, And I wanted to note that 
and this is consistent to the movies, but Nev Campbell slash Sydney, she has what I can best describe as a histamine reaction to whenever Ghostface appears or calls. Like her eyes get squinty. She's going to sneeze. She yeah. looks like she's about to sneeze. And it's like, that. Ugh. she just has a very, like, I just want to give her a, a Benadryl, a very histamine response to Ghostface. Oh, God. Uh, that's a great observation. I noticed that too. She has this like, I'm either about to sneeze or about to cry very hard. Yes, yeah, and 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 there's something that's like slightly above my eye line that I'm upset about. Yeah. Mmm. Mmm. Ugh. Nev. Well, listen. Uh, we wouldn't be all right, Mary, if we also if we went back to the clip of the week with Parker Posey. I just want to acknowledge the red pants that she's wearing, but also what seemed like a blooper that was left in the movie. After Courtney Cox and David Arquette leave that scene with Parker Posey flipping out about being the next to die, uh-huh. they show Parker Posey walking over to her bodyguard and just like climbing into his arms. Yeah, I noticed that. And it felt like they kept it in. Like it was like they'd already yeah, given us the, the blooper. <laughs> they already gave us the Jay and Silent Bob cameo that I was like, at, uh-huh. at first I was like, oh no, this is going to be terrible. But then that happened, and I thought, well, that's – I could see how people in 2000 would have been like, oh, brother. But now in 2023, and it's Parker Posey, I'm like, yeah, this movie needed that, you know? I I love that they kept that in, and I know that wasn't in the script. How could it be? No, of course not. No. Uh, and her uh, bodyguard played by what's his name? Patrick Warburton? Sure. Yeah, you know him. You love him. He's that guy who plays. Uh, he was that guy who was in that thing. He was, he was plays like that uh-huh. that big guy. He played the played that right. bug. He played Putty. He was Putty in Seinfeld. That's what it is. Oh, I don't know that reference. He was like yeah. Elaine's boyfriend, and there's definitely some like hot scenes oh. of like him in bed with uh, Elaine. I feel like Ugh, Elaine. Yeah. Elaine. Good oh, for her. Oh, there's a, you know, in his IMDb pictures, there's some show called Happy Family. He's got some topless photos. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. That's a. What's the actor's name? Patrick Warburton. Boy, that got you got your attention. <laughs> no, I wanted to find him on Wikipedia and see what else he's in. Oh, he's from Patterson, New Jersey. Oh, is oh. he? Patterson? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that makes me feel good. Yeah. And, oh, his nephew was on uh the bachelor and the bachelorette he was one of the he he was the bachelor zach shalcross how interesting my goodness oh Oh. i see that's his that's his nephew yeah um wow yeah all right well he's been in so many movies yeah jesus yeah he's six foot two and three fourths Oh my God! Ugh, climb him like a tree. Is that what people say? Yeah, he's got a right. spouse named well, Kathy. Kathy Jennings. Well, well, speaking of picking out over some men, uh, let's take a moment to recognize Scott Foley to the Patreon. Oh, have, which is in our Patreon, but yes, to our to our world. Have yeah. we never talked about Scott Foley before? Not in a in a movie or a show. Really, no. I I, uh, I I'm not disbelieving you. It's just like, how did we not? How did that happen? How did we not talk about the unit? I just love him. Yeah. He... I just love him. I think he is. I just love him. I think he is so like geeky cute. And I loved him in Scandal, obviously. Oh, sure. Um, 
And yeah, I've loved him since this movie. This movie came out and I was like, oh, who's that? Uh, I never saw Felicity, but apparently people loved him from Felicity. And I'm like, oh, is that why he was asked to be in this movie? Um, but yeah, no, I, I love Scott Foley. Oh, Jesus Christ. Well, I feel like, you know, Felicity, I never really watched Felicity, but I, and I, you know, what I think of Felicity, I just think of, oh, remember when she cut her hair? But, uh, mm. you know, really, it, it, I think a reason to really revisit it is I, I wish that I got to fully experience, like, the Scots of Felicity, because it's Scott Speedman, Scott Foley. Oh, Between the two of them, I got to well. tell you, like, Scott Speedman over Scott Foley. I'm sorry. But, and obviously, if Scott... Really? Oh, of, okay. There's the Chris's, and then there's the Scots. Scott Speedman, Scott Kahn, Scott Foley. It's... About Scott Wolf. Okay. Oh, and Scott Wolf. Okay, so if that's the case, honestly, great Scott. The great Scots for me, it's always Scott Con number one, and then Scott Speedman, and then I think it might be Wolf and Foley. Wait, you said Bolt? Wolf. Scott Wolf. Oh, Wolf. Then Foley. Wait, who's the first Scott? Who's Scott the first Scott Con? James Con's little son. Oh, oh, girl. It's it's Scott Wolf, Scott uh, Foley, and then Scott Speedman, and then Scott Kahn. Well, that's the order. Well, you've got it all. That's just how I want. Got it all them. wrong. Do you even know what Scott Kahn looks like? Of course, I've picked out on him with you before. Oh, he just. I just get a feeling he is just babe pig in the city. I can tell. Just like, just a little, just a little, uh, you know, a little, uh, you know, Lou Grant waiting to happen. Got it. Well, uh, love Scott Foley. Did you know he was the killer? I feel like I, you're the type of person that's like, oh, I knew it was him. I think maybe I had already seen a spoiler in some other like video about the Scream movies. So, oh. and and I, but I guess it was like he was one of my prime guesses. Like they were certainly trying to make it look like uh, Emily Mortimer. You know, she was such a sure. red herring. I was like, you got to put a cream on that. But I Patrick Dempsey as well. Oh, and Patrick Dempsey, absolutely. It was just like, oh come on. Um, but I had a feeling that it was Scott Foley going in. Okay, all right, well, yeah, good for you. You're so smart. I'm just so smart. What do you want from me? But I'll say this: I usually expect screen movies to have more than one killer. So I thought, okay, well, right. one of the killers is going to be Scott Foley, and then the other one will be. Emily Mortimer or, or yeah. you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know, Parker Posey, Parker Posey even, yeah. for God's sake, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe even Martha Meeks. What do I know? Hey, you never, you, you can't discount the Meeks. Yeah, we do get a brief uh, Martha Meeks. Uh, she's, you know, don't shoot, I'm only 17. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, we have, uh, the rap party, which I think was touted in the trailers a lot when this came out because it has a huge explosion. So it was like, expect more from Scream 3. Yeah. Um, well, did... and we get that, 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 that scene where, with the fax machine and whoever smells the gas. I was going to say, did the, did the trailers feature the facts, the fact that this movie has faxes faxes from a killer i was like faxes, how is yeah. is he like on like a like one of those what are those little old 
phones with the keyboards, right. a slingshot or a right. sidekick. Is he on uh-huh. a is he on a sidekick side somewhere kick. out there? Yeah. T- sending a fax. Yeah, using the T9 on his little flip phone to send the fax. I mean, yeah, it's true. He just killed the bodyguard, right? Like, so he he had to have been around. So uh, lo- who knows? Maybe he maybe maybe he timed them. Maybe 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 he used you know uh, Hootsuite. He used Hootsuite so he could time his posts. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, uh, there there is a quote from this scene that I absolutely loved. I love that Courtney Cox in this movie gets to punch Parker Posey as opposed to her getting punched by Nev Campbell again. Mm. Uh, but Parker has that amazing line read of "My lawyer liked that." That was great. Uh, which uh, I just like. You are the gay person in this movie. You are what makes this movie gay, and I I love her. I love her so much. Protect Parker Posey at all costs. She really is. She's the queer of the movie. You know, like she's mm. in, in her own little way, or is just the like, yeah, it's just the. The bitchy gay you love to hate, but also I didn't yes. even really hate her. I really like want no. her to survive. Uh, I found it all kind of endearing, but again, that's largely because it's Parker Posey. Because if this was like who else would play this role? Like even and I hate to besmirch a name, but even if this was like Christina Ricci, I don't think I would. It'd be a little Ricci. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay, fair. Uh, hey, yeah, I can't even imagine who would play this in 2000. I'm not sure. Oh, I have to right. really think about oh, that. You're putting me on the spot. Carmen, here. Carmen, not Carmen Miranda, Carmen uh, Diego, Carmen, what was her name? Not Yasmin. Can't help you here, Mary. Yeah, um, Carmen Electra, but, Carmen uh, Electra, what? Carmen Electra. Oh, Carmen Electra, interesting. Uh, you know, she wasn't bad in uh, Dirty Love with Jen McCarthy. Both of them were pretty good in that movie. Dirty Love. Did we talk about this already? This, I don't know. I don't think. I, have you seen it? No. Dirty Love. Is we did. It did come up because there is this movie. Uh, there's this scene in that movie where she, she goes home with a guy after doing a lot of drugs and like, there's a a a bass fish in his ass. Oh. Anyway, it's like it's such a wild movie. Uh, I it, it's a movie we should watch. At some point, uh, despite all of Jan McCarthy's politics, oh, um, I I do find it very very funny. I think it's um oh uh, I re- it's good. I remember this cover. I remember her on the cover with the with the mascara and the boobs. Oh, and it's two thousand five, which was just such a rotted era for America. That like uh-huh. yeah. Oh, I I would love to do this. I would love to watch this movie. Uh. Wait, how long is it? Oh, an hour and thirty one minutes, and it's on Tubi. Come on now. And crackle, Mary. We're at the point of Scream Three where I feel like it's just like it's. You talk about set pieces. This is a set piece in the year two thousand. We have Courtney Cox, Parker Posey, and Debbie Reynolds all in the same scene, playing off each other perfectly. Yeah, Debbie Reynolds. If she had died and came back to life as her daughter Carrie. Fisher. That's what I mean. Yes. Um, yes. Carrie Fisher. We have, sorry. Yes. I always say Debbie Reynolds, and I mean Carrie Fisher. Well, you know, she's the spitting image. Uh, she's she's more she's more Debbie than Eddie. I'll say that much. Uh, you know, I I do want to mention because right before this is when we meet Martha Meeks, and she brings the Randy video, and I just I I want to make this reference because I can now is that Martha Meeks slash Heather Matarazzo is kind of like a Canadian Willow from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, interesting. She, interesting. Like, interesting parallel. Heather feels sure. like she didn't get the role. 
of willow oh wow okay great yeah long skirts yes. yeah kind of uh, interestingly done hair oh, kind of mousy yeah. shy oh yeah. geez buffy come back oh, soon oh yeah. oh hey buffy oh i uh i'm your friend i'm a witch oh that's my heather Matarazzo oh, as Willow. protect protect her oh, oh i love i love willow um well, I, I can certainly see that. I feel like Heather Matarazzo would have played a better Dawn than Michelle Trachtenberg. So oh, there's that. Well, you know, listen, once you're Harriet the Spy, you're always Harriet the Spy. What, by the way, what is, that, what is that line from Harriet the Spy that I can't remember? The whole world, and I just want to see everything. What's that line from Harriet the Spy that she has? I don't know, Mary. Right. I don't know. Um, all right. Well, folks, we took a break, and I think it could be something along the lines of like, I want to remember everything. I want to know everything. Um, something like right. that. But in any event, I think we should do Harriet the Spy as an episode sometime. Oh. I've, it's not really a part of my childhood, but I think the golly of it all, the 1996 of sure. it all, I think could feel good. Mm. Yeah, there's something that we're going to find there. Um, uh, you know, just like Parker Posey helping Courtney Cox oh, what a find a way into the studio, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. She, you know... Uh, I go where you go. Well, Gail, Gail Weathers would find a way. This whole exchange is just brilliant. But I have to talk about the nuance. And I hope you noticed it. But the next shot is them like breaking into the studio. And they're on, on the landing of some stairs. And Courtney Cox enters the shot first. And then Parker Posey enters. And she does this. Like she juts out into the frame and her hair kind of flips and she's like playing Gail Weathers stalking around a studio. And there's just something about that choice that I think is so funny and so small. And it, it just speaks to the brilliance of Parker Posey and what what she can do to nothing to make it better. I did. I did notice that. I did notice her like body language as they were like going down the stairs. And I and I the thing was uh, in this scene, I kept thinking, oh, is this going to be a big chase scene through the archives? And mm. so I was also like prepared for that to happen. And then they met Carrie Fisher, which is almost just as good. But uh, exactly, yeah. And but and not for nothing. And I'm sorry to kind of like get really meta and deep about this. But one thing that's brilliant about this scene is that you have Parker Posey, Courtney Cox, and Carrie Fisher uncovering kind of the crux of the movie, which is that Milton knew Rena Reynolds. Rena. And that and, and and it's in this archive. It's all hidden down here. It's protected. You know, you need a two thousand dollar ring and uh, uh, God, I just love that this is it's almost like film noir. And it's poetic as well that it's these three actresses uncovering it together. It's like a scene from the movie She Said. She Said. She Said they were roommates. Yeah, I mean, it's also like, what is this world this like Carrie Fisher character lives in? Like, you are in a windowless basement. Like, you are, <laughs> you know, what are, what are you doing down here? Um, uh, but you know, when she says, Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, so but I, I, I do just want to recognize that, like, I like when the fact that Scream will do some of this great lady casting a la Laurie Metcalf in, in Scream 2, mm. Carrie Fisher in mm. Scream 3. Apparently, Nancy O'Dell was on this, but I didn't see her. So, oh. well, uh, you know, one thing 
we've talked about on this podcast before is uh, smokeography and Carrie Fisher is phenomenal. She has this moment where she's uh, Courtney Cox says, you know, Oh, I didn't mean to bring up a sore subject for you. And then Carrie Fisher responds, well, sure you didn't. None of them did. And then she inhales on her cigarette. And I was like, ugh, like Carrie didn't have, nobody needed to direct Carrie. No, no. I think if anything, she came in and directed for a day. It's like, you know, when yeah. when uh, Steven Spielberg would show up to the set of Poltergeist and take over. I just feel like Carrie was really there to run the movie. Mm. Run the studio. Yeah. Uh. Uh, Love it. Love it. Well, and and so we learn a bit about, you know, Miss Rena Reynolds, but I feel like this is this is leading us to the Sydney on set set piece. Yes. Which yes. I which I thought was a brilliant sequence. I did too, and I want to also note that at this point, you know, cuz preceding the Sydney had shown up to the precinct and Sydney is wearing her signature outfit. She's got her signature mm. earth tones, her green shirt, her brown jacket, her mm. jeans. Every movie, except for the first one, where it's a lot of like oversized sweatshirts with sleeveys. I feel like sure. like traumatized Sydney is all about earth tones. It's all about a green mm. shirt and a brown jacket. Yeah, don't fuck with Sydney Prescott, you know. Yeah, I'm Sydney Prescott. Of course, I have a gun. Of course, I have Ugh, a gun. Just... Yeah, uh, and so she, uh, yeah, she arrives on set. Uh, you know, to the, the Hillsboro of Hollywood, Woodsboro of Hollywood. This isn't New Jersey, the Hillsboro of Hollywood. Sure. The Woodsboro of Hollywood. Uh, yeah. I thought this whole sequence was really brilliant because it allowed us to go back to Woodsboro, you know, um, but it be this, uh, like this other version of it. The, the, it. It's also creepy in the fact that, she is walking around a set that was mimicking her life, you know, like it, it's so traumatizing. It's so fucked up. It also calls back to scream Two. It references scream Two because Sydney was attacked on the set of her Greek tragedy play. So, you know, there's, there's also that aspect of it too, that I love with the lights and the sounds and everything. Um, so yeah, the only thing I didn't like about this is the, Again, the supernatural Maureen Prescott ghost thing. Oh, Lenore Gielgud. Yeah, I. But I, I thought this was really like it, it was cool to kind of revisit, like you know, the whole the the closet door, bedroom door gag mm. again, and to kind of recreate that. And I love the part where she goes to run through the door, and it's like it it drops into nothing. And I just thought this sure. this was really. I thought it was, you know, in terms of the commentary of like, you know, recreating tragedy for entertainment. I thought this was all really effective to to kind of show mm. like literally a chase through the exact same space that she was chased through in her real life. Um, and then mm. being reminded that none of this is real. Ugh. Ugh, so wild. Yeah. So wild. Um, well, uh, we finally kind of get to what I think is like the crux of the movie, the the real horror of the movie, which is uh, actually to just quote John Milton's line, Hollywood is full of criminals whose careers are flourishing. I mean, you know, just look at, uh, you know, uh, I mean, hey, look at Matthew Broderick, you know, you know what he and Jennifer Grey what? did, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. Ah! Yeah. And the producer is very successful. Uh, probably not that popular. Some people. Uh, oh God. 
For example. Uh, we have this great line from Parker Posey. You're obsessed with her and you're obsessed with her daughter. Uh, and Courtney Cox, okay, easy, Geraldo. Just so well done. They played off each other so well. Um, but, I, you know, it's worth kind of talking about this speech. Um, you know, what happened to Maureen when, when she was in Hollywood? And he says, you know, it was the 70s. Everything was different. I was well known for my parties. Rena knew what they were. It was for girls like her to meet men, men who could get them parts if they made the right impression. And he said, nothing happened to her that she didn't invite in one way or another, no matter what she said afterwards. I'm saying things got out of hand. Maybe they did, maybe they did take advantage of her. Uh, maybe the sad truth is this is not the city for innocence. No charges were brought. And the bottom line is Rena Reynolds wouldn't play by the rules. You want to get ahead in Hollywood, you got to play the game or go home. Like, I can't believe he wrote this in the face of the, the studio. I, it, I, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's brilliant to me and so um, subversive. And we didn't realize how subversive it was. Maybe we did, but uh, you know what I mean? Like, wild to me. Well, I think it's like the, the things that it was commenting on have more of a spotlight on them now than they did then. And so, like, we may have yeah. had some sense. There may have been, you know, like, people talk about, like, there was that red carpet Casting moment couch. with Courtney uh, Love when she was like, oh, if you want to get ahead in Hollywood – uh, you know, don't don't mm. you know go to any auditions for Harvey Weinstein, and it was just like these like early right. sort of comments on this before it became you know the mm. thing that it was. Uh, I think what's interesting about this is because I, I read in the the trivia that Wes Craven was originally going to play this role of John Milton, and I <gasps> I feel like that would have been really interesting. Uh, and I feel like this character has a very Wes Craven energy. Lance Henriksen is playing very Wes Craven vibes. Mm -hmm. Um, and the thing I just want to also comment on that is that I, I feel like Wes Craven is like a more genteel version of that guy, Jake Cruz. Remember him? The porn guy. Oh my God. I loved Jake Cruz. Same, same. And so I kind of like always had a bit of a thing for Wes Craven because he gives me such Jake Cruz energy. And Jake Cruz was just like such a hot old slime ball. And I just fucking Creep. loved yeah. it. I loved it. And I just, I hope oh, he's not. I don't want to think about what I was loving though. You know, oh, who I knows? Know, but like the less I think about it, the oh. more I enjoy it. So I'm just, you know, uh, just trying to lean into what feels good. But yeah, I, I feel like that's like this thing about Wes Craven was like, oh God, I just, I just keep imagining him like giving me an oily massage in an overlit studio, you know? Wow. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, uh, you went there. Oh yeah. Um, the yeah this this whole just kind of uncovering that this is part of the motive that this is part of the mess that this is part of the horror of scream 3 i think is just man i don't think people appreciated it at the time and for them then to go to the final sequence the final you know the final scene in that house and that house being it's just set up so horrifically that I mean, Mary, that scene where Parker Posey dies, where it's revealed that there's this like viewing hallway of the bedroom. Mm-hmm. It, there were there all of the secret hallways, the doors, the hidden passageways, 
you know, the two-way mirror, the, the, the tucked away screening room, everything totally revealing just just how horrific this can be for young Hollywood actresses to the point where then we also get the final kind of uh, uh, admission from Emily Mortimer of like, I did not fuck that pig Milton to get a leading role just to die here with second rate celebrities like you two. It, I mean, it all was so poetic and put together so perfectly. And I, I can't stress enough how scary it was when they revealed that two way mirror. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, it reminded me. Uh, remember that movie Death Weekend with Brenda Vaccaro that had the two-way mirrors? Oh, yeah. Death Weekend. You yeah, love that. Movie. I love that movie. But, yeah, I thought that was – it was all really interesting of, like – because I think it's, you know, uh, the second movie is about, you know, you see, like, oh, now they're making stab movies and Hollywood's turning this into something. And so I like that the kind of evolution of the narrative is now to – like, first it's about, like, horror movies and their effect on people. And then it becomes mm. more and more of, like, an indictment of the people who actually make the movies, you know? And I think mm. that that's a natural progression. And I don't know what Scream 4 is about, but I think – um like I think that's smart to go, kind of go from like initially the villains of of the Scream franchise are people who have been disillusioned and and like turned you know turned violent from horror movies you know kind of the the end user is the is the villain and then as the movies right. evolve it kind of becomes like well who's really the you know like in the second one it's like in the first one it's billy in the second one it's billy's mom like who's who's yeah. really the cause of this you know what i mean who's at the root of this violence and so in the third one then it becomes about like oh well it's hollywood itself you know yeah the fourth one uh deals a lot with uh like live streaming and social media. Mm, mm. I maybe I'll watch the fourth one because it's got that you know Hayden Panettiere in it. So yeah, Kirby. Kirby. Uh, yeah, it's I I like the fourth one. I think the fourth one is well done. You know, I really actually dislike Emma Roberts and a lot of the things she's in, but in Scream Four she was uh, she was great. She plays the niece. Um, and she's she's good in it. Uh, obviously, you get Courtney Cox and more Nev Campbell, um, and they're phenomenal and Dewey and everything. Um, but yeah, no, I think Scream Four is uh, worth another watch um, for those that haven't watched it in a while. Um, it's certainly great. It takes it to another level, and I find the writing just to be a little bit slicker than this one. Um, but yeah, I I love this last sequence, Mary. There were a lot of twists and turns. They revealed the house. Uh, you know, they killed off. A lot of characters, particularly they, they tried to kill off Roman, but did you believe it? You knew he was at that point. Or... I was like, mm, I mean, you know, what's interesting is is Gail checks his pulse, which felt kind of intentional to like throw us off the scent. So I was like, OK, but then it's also like, do I really expect Gail Weathers to like, you know what I mean? Like, she's no EMT. You know what I mean? It's more like. <laughs> Yeah, more like BLT. Uh, and so I, yeah, so we, it, it was interesting that this final showdown was very much like trapped in a screening room, basically, mm. with this guy. Like, mm -hmm. you're basically, you're, you're your mother trapped in the screening room with John Milton, who's now had his throat slashed. Um, and it's, so let me get this straight. So the narrative is obviously that 
that Scott is is actually Roman's her half brother, and that Roman yes. is the son of Rena slash Maureen and John. But he yes. was disowned when Maureen left Hollywood and became Maureen Prescott, and so yes. now uh, Roman. Uh, what's interesting is like, well, now he's like creating the movie, but now he's creating the real life story. I, I guess I don't know if I fully. By the end, I was like, "There's a lot of, there's a lot of motives here." I don't know if I captured what, like, I get the connection, but I don't know what his goal was. So he he started filming Maureen Prescott sleeping around with guys in Woodsboro, and found that she was sleeping with Billy's dad, and she he knew that Billy was Sydney's boyfriend. Um, and then uh, was the one that put the seed into Billy's head. Oh, right. To be the psycho. Right, 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 right. That's right. Which to me is also like Billy's Billy's already some pretty fertile craziness. If a seed in the ground yes. is enough to push you to do what you did, you know. Well, and if you saw Scream 5, you you recognize that as well. Oh, yeah. Scream 5. I have to. I don't know if I would rewatch Scream 5. That one was pretty violent. Oh, sure was. Um, I love that they're the, the, the dialogue between Sydney and Roman was kind of like sibling rivalry bickering. Uh, you know, stop your whining. Uh, once you take some fucking responsibility, uh, I, you know, I, I found that kind of funny, um, yeah. even though maybe it wasn't supposed to be, but I thought it was. Uh, it's your and, turn you know, to scream, asshole. Oh, I love it. I love it. Come on. Come on. You got to give it to her, Biella. You got to yeah, give it to I her. I feel like you've got to take yourself to a pre-9-11 Cineplex Odeon and, like, remember a time yeah. when we all, like, enjoyed moments together. Yeah. It's your turn to scream, asshole. I love the line, uh, which is very reminiscent of the Sharon Stone line, but he says, they fucked her three ways from Sunday. Uh, they ruined her life and they ruined yours too. That whole little monologue I thought was really powerful. Um, and but just that quote, they fucked her three ways from Sunday. Uh, it hits well in the mouth. Yeah, and I was I I I'd, I'd like to know more about that situation. Yeah, uh, I, you know I do want to call out that when he slashes John's throat, I I wanted more than than Sydney going spineless bastard. Like I needed <laughs> like. Spineless, and she's all histamined out, you know what I mean? Spineless bastard. <laughs> I just wanted more than that. Uh, you know, what can I say? It's kind of like in that Buffy episode, Hush, I wanted a bigger scream from Sarah Michelle. Uh, oh, for sure. She knows it, and I uh, know it, you know? There was a lot of suspension of disbelief here. Like, he, he shot her and then was going to shoot her again and didn't shoot her in the head. And it's just kind of like, dude, like... Like there was a lot of moments where like it's like why aren't you killing anybody? Mm-hmm. Why aren't you killing anybody? You know why didn't he kill uh, Dewey and Monica? You what know? am I doing? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Why didn't he just kill them? Yeah. Um. There's a lot of that that I think is uh, odd, and you just kind of have to suspend your disbelief. Um. I don't know. Overall, I like the movie. I thought the ending was so stupid with Patrick Dempsey being like. 
we're going to watch a movie. And he had the cast and the popcorn. I was like, this is dumb. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, in the, you know, in the end of the climb, I mean, I have to say that the, the end, just to comment, the fight between Roman and, and Sydney at the end, I felt like I was watching What's Love Got to Do With It. Like, it was just, it was like, oh, eat the God. cake, bitch. It was so violent. Yeah. Like, like, physically, it like, punched violent. in the face. And it was just like, yeah, like, strangling. Yeah. Like, yes. Sydney really goes through it as a final girl. Um, but then, of course, you know, finally, that you know, uh, that they they kill him. They kill him three ways from you know three ways from Sunday. But yeah, the ending is so strange. A, we are confirmed that the dog survives. Cute little trot. Everything's Thank fine. You. Then we're in the house, and you know, the door kind of opens, and you're like, Maureen, um, Eileen, uh, but Eileen, and then yeah, yeah, so Patrick Dempsey, who's like the one, you know, other than than uh, what's your snakes and what's his name, Dewey and uh, Rebecca, uh, uh, what's her name, Gail, Dewey and Gail, the only <laughs> other real survivor is Patrick Dempsey. And the way he says, she's like, Oh, he's like, We're gonna watch a movie, and the way she's like, Oh, what kind of movie? He's like, You'll have to come and see. And I thought, oh, my God, they're going to be home videos of Maureen. Like, what's it going to be? Well, I, I, it almost seemed like they could have done a final scare. That's what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And then I, yeah. I will. They were all in on it. I yeah. did kind of think the like the abrupt cut at the end was very interesting of her, like, you know, deciding to leave the door open and then turning. And then that's where the movie cuts. I just like that choice. But it. They set it up to seem like, well, what is he referring to? Like, what are they going to watch? Shitty, shitty, bang, bang? Are they going to watch snuff movies? What are we right. going to watch? Yeah. Right, right. What are they going to – are they watching Stab? Like, yeah, right. It's you know, like, they're not going to watch Stab. Here, like, I've been yeah. I've been watching you poop for three months. You know, like, what – like, I've been filming you. Like, what are you – what's it going to be? <laughs> I have a toilet cam. <laughs> Surprise, Surprise, Sydney. I saw everything. <laughs> oh god yeah no uh patrick dempsey um was not good in this movie i'm i'm happy to report that i i also happy to hear people argue with me but i don't think he was good in this movie and i loved him in grays but uh yeah did not like him as the cop i don't really think he was just given very much to do like i think it's like yeah. i think in these movies honestly like the detective role it, it never really excites me unless it's Holly Hunter and Dermot Mulroney in Copycat, you know, like otherwise it's well, just like a, or or Malice. Mary, you got to watch. Malice. Oh, or Malice. Of course, I have to watch Malice. Uh, but, you know, if it's just like a guy who shows up in a in a suit or, a, you know, a, a button down and a, and a tie and he's like, OK, what's going on? Someone fill me in. I tune out, mm. you know, I just okay, I sure. tune out. Um, those roles, I feel like they're written or they're those pieces are put into movies to explain things to the audience again. Yep. In like logical terms. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's a really you know easy I mean? way to like give clean exposition. Um, I just I think In, it's like I was gonna say I just think like. There are like our procedural shows and whatnot, but I think in horror movies and thrillers, like in general, I feel like the cops just slow things down, you know? Yeah. Like I was just watching Taking Lives and it reminded me of Silence of the Lambs in that sense. But like you have these FBI investigators that then will explain to other cops and then therefore the audience like 
this killer can't do this and he always does this which means he does this and he had this and it's just there it's a clunky way to re-explain what's going on in the movie mm, yeah yeah and ugh, taking lives well 2004 is taking lives was it good? With Angelina Jolie. Sure, sure. Jennifer Jolie. Uh, was it good? No, it wasn't very good. No, it wasn't. Yeah, I, I, I saw it in the theaters with my then crush in college. Um, so we were very young and I was very distracted. Yeah. But yeah. He, but um, but no, I didn't. I didn't like it. I think Angelina Jolie is fine. Um, but no, I didn't like that movie. No, it wasn't as good. Malice was like way better. I mean, what way I've been better. hearing about Malice, I've been hearing a lot of words about Malice. Ugh, BB Newworth is the cop. Oh, That's exciting. That's very like I'm I'm really wowed by BB <laughs> Newworth as the cop. That's that's very exciting. Oh god, Alec Baldwin and Bill Pullman, they're so sexy. Do oh, any animals yeah. are any animals in any sort of harm in that movie nope okay i feel good nope. about that nope. um nope. gwyneth paltrow is in it gwenny's so, in yeah. a, a you know george c scott and Anne bancroft are both in it for god's sake and bancroft that's right yeah oh my god she has a great scene in that movie she had she's the beatrice straight of that movie oh. it's a great scene all right yeah. all right well where is this where can i watch this movie oh i can i don't know i got it on amazon i could buy it for 15 dollars on prime Oh, I did not buy it, but okay. uh, you know, it's not diet. It's not diet. So. Ben, I can't buy it. Please. Can't buy it. Please. I'm so thirsty. <laughs> so scared. Uh, well, uh, uh, anyway, um, Mary, any other thoughts on Scream 3 from the year 2000? You know, I would say I, I had a good time with it. it. It's funny when you think about just kind of like, I think with some sequels like i watched recently i just watched uh halloween 4 the return of michael myers and i watched child's play 2 and there's all the friday the 13th sequels and and i'm not as much of like a nightmare on elm street person but like you know there's enough sequels there where i think i don't know i there's something about sequels that i can also be a little bit forgiving of like Mm. All right, yeah, you know, I'll go on this journey again. Why not? I'll see. The, I'll meet these characters again, and I don't ho maybe always hold it to the same standards as an original movie. Like I think I'm just kind of like, yeah, yeah. You don't have to do all that setup or anything. I just want to kind of see right. what happens next. Um, yeah. And I kind of feel like Scream Three. That's kind of how it worked for me. Whereas, like, obviously the first Scream, there's there's so much about how it's kind of set up and structured. And oh my god, how do you? Oh, because two killers, blah, blah blah. And then Scream Two, of course, I have tons of logical, you know, uh, issues with that I'm I'm more critical of. But by Scream Three, I was just like. Okay. Yeah, give me a chase scene. Give me a give me a couple set pieces yeah. and I'm, you know, I'm good. Uh I had a yeah, I had a do it do it in a cool place. Yeah, exactly. You know? That's what I always look for. I yeah. don't think and and I guess, you know, I know that they really toned down the violence in this one partially because of obviously the school shootings and all that not and i actually appreciated that i kind of find that's one of the things i don't like about the scream movies or don't make me doesn't makes me not kind of run to see them is that they are really violent and um yeah the latest one the sixth one is there it's just like yeah people very gory so much stabbing so much it's just i it's a little too much for me um it's just not my it's not my cup of soup. And so I did like that this was actually a fairly bloodless take on Scream. 
yeah. Yeah. In well, comparison, certainly. Well, oh, you know, okay. compare okay. how Sydney looks at the end of Scream versus Scream Three. You know. Oh, certainly, certainly, yes. Uh, well, Scream Four is very violent. Um, there is a lot of stabbing. Okay. Um, and a lot of blood, but uh, I do. I I'm curious to hear your reactions to that. I love the cold open of Scream Four. I think it's really, really good. And, and who? So uh, I guess it. I think I know that Kirby doesn't die because I think she comes back in the fifth one. So that makes me feel good. Maybe I'm Kirby, wrong. Kirby, she comes back in the sixth. Or one. the sixth one, excuse me, the sixth one. Because I guess the thing with the Scream movies is obviously we, there's kind of a like, oh yeah, Nev and you know obviously Dewey dies, but like Nev, I don't I don't think Sydney or Gale will ever get killed off, even though they keep attempting to kill kill Gale, <sighs> but. I, I hope they don't kill Nev. If they kill Nev, I'm I'm gonna be like, oh, you know, it's over. guys. But I'm kind of yeah. intrigued by when like another supporting character in a scream movie survives. I'm like, oh, good. Oh, mm. that like what the the Meeks kids. I feel like they keep uh-huh. surviving in these most recent ones, and I like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. Apparently, there's rumors they're trying to bring Matthew Lillard back for Scream Seven, so. Uh, you know, there's lots of lots of open ended questions about Scream Seven, and Nev is returning to the franchise. Oh, so good! That's always good news. Scraped yeah. up enough money to get her back. Oh. <laughs> good for them. Good for them. Yeah, the, the them. Scream Seven are purse strings are screaming. <laughs> Scream Seven. It's interesting. They they never took on the colon subtitle. No, no, which is probably for the best because I think that can get really unwieldy, you know. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, like uh, what is it? Uh, Jason takes Manhattan. Yeah, you know, and uh, and they they all become meaningless. The fourth one of the Friday Thirteenth, the Final Blood, the New Blood. Uh, Jason's back. Oh, Jason's dead. Takes sure. Manhattan. It's just it, fans back. Fans yeah. back. So like all of them become just like, oh really? Oh okay. Um, <laughs> So yeah, that's and Halloween kills. Halloween yeah. kills. It's like oh, it's still alive. Halloween ends. I bet it doesn't. I bet it won't. You think it's gonna come back? I think there was like some attempt to kind of continue something in like the Halloween universe or whatever that you know mm. concept is. I think they should just leave well enough alone. You know, uh, let it be. Tell a new story. Tell a brand new story. Create new characters. Mm. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, talk. That's why I kind of liked talk to me. It was, you know, at least it was new, um, but it wasn't. I, I guess in terms of slasher films, there's no real place for a slasher franchise these days. Yeah, I don't know what that because it's you know I mean there's like the Terrifier movies. I feel like that's maybe the one. Oh, those look really scary. And that yeah. way too violent for me. Not not interested. But yeah, um, no. I kind of feel like that's where it lives but then i love that there's like there was that movie your next that came out a couple years ago oh i did enjoy it i did too and, and i and i don't normally yeah, yeah and i, I thought it. that was like oh that was cool and didn't reinvent the wheel but was just kind of like a great little you know thrill ride so uh-huh. i don't know I, I feel like with these kind of movies and when you look back on the 80s and you look at the slasher boom most of those movies were not reinventing the wheel they were really just spinning it in in a familiar direction with a couple of beats uh, that might be uh-huh. unique, and I'm like, 
there's certain types of movies like home invasion movies or like, you know, somebody's alone in a big house and now there's somebody in there and they're like, it's a cat mm. and mouse game in a big house. Mm. I'll never get tired of that because you can always make that interesting. You can always do something like, that, you know, we see it in these screen movies where it's like ultimately it's just these little cat and mouse situations in different sets. And I never get tired of it. And I kind of think that like mm. that's really all I'm looking for in these situations is just like, you know, uh, don't you don't feel like you have to reinvent the wheel. Just do it really well. You know, pull an Ina Garten. You know what I mean? Just do a really good chicken. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't disagree with you. I, I feel like the Scream franchise in general made a mark because it was commenting on the horror genre so well. And I hope it continues to do that in a smart way. It in in terms of Scream Three, it you know I think we just discussed that it sort of it it did in some ways by commenting on Hollywood. Uh, Scream Four definitely does. Scream Five did, and Scream uh, Six, ah, it's starting to kind of distance itself from what the franchise was doing. I wouldn't so, be surprised. But it, it's yeah. still there. It's still there. There was still commentary. Um, and in a cool way, because uh, it referenced the second Scream. Um, but anyway, we'll see. We'll see how much longer the Scream franchise can hold its water, hold its blood, if you will. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think there's any place for a new slasher franchise. I unless they did something totally different. Yeah, you know? I think. I mean, I think there is. It's kind of like, uh, how do you? if not reinvent the wheel, think about like, what is a fresh version of the final girl? You know what I mean? Like I kind of think in some ways, like a witch is kind of like, you know, a good witch, but like, that's kind of a, a more exciting version of a final girl where it's like, you know, I think of Susie and Suspiria, like what a great final Mm -hmm. girl, you know? Uh huh. Sure. Uh, what's the, the, that little girl's name from Midsommar? Um, Oh, Florence Pugh. Yeah, Florence mm-hmm. Pugh. Yeah, where there's like a little added oomph there other than like she just like – and I love a classic final girl, but you know – or sure. what I was hoping from the Halloween movies is like a final woman. I like the idea mm. of like let's like let's have final final women. You know what I mean? Give me a final girl sure. in her 40s at, at minimum, you know, with some street love smarts it. and some life smarts. You know, that's what – give me Frances McDormand, you know, as a final girl. As the final girl. Yeah. Uh, did you watch? Did you watch the Scream TV show? No, I never. I never got into that. I luckily, I my friend David convinced me uh, to watch it. He's like, John, you should just watch it. You should just watch it. Just give it a shot. Uh, it wasn't bad. It was. I mean, it lasted ten episodes or whatever. And it was in that sense, it was a little annoying, but it wasn't bad. It kind of reminded me of. Not broad church, but like one of those who done it sure. television shows. And in that sense it was really good. I guess I always like I think I've lumped the Scream series in with Scream Queens. And I'm not I'm no, realizing these are no. separate things. Yeah. No, very, very different. I don't know. If you're ever bored, you're ever curious, maybe just watch the first one and see if it hooks you. All right. All right. Well, you know, tis the season. So certainly is for a few more days for a few more days mary's happy happy halloween uh we hope you eat all of the pumpkin reese's peanut butter cups and they're so fresh right any now. kind of yeah twix bars that you want 
that you had a great costume party with spooky costumes. Uh, if you are not a Halloween person but like to, you know, carve pumpkins or go bobbing for apples or make pies, I hope that the fall season is upon you in a beautiful way and you're able to find some um, escape from the horrors that are happening around us. If I could recommend apple cider donuts. <gasps> Delicious. Just saying, you know, uh, in a pinch, that helps. And, and also female fight club. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I was thinking female fight club. Just beat the shit out yeah. of her. Yeah. Uh, and of course, <laughs> Malice, if you haven't seen Malice. Oh, Malice. So Mary's, I, th- this is a free episode, so Mary's might not know, but I have been watching, maybe they do, I've been watching thrillers from like the 90s and early 2000s um, just to kind of uh, keep me focused. And uh, I I mean, I watched um, Hush, which was great. Oh, with... Uh, with, with Jenny Lang. Oh, with yeah. Jesse Lang. Uh-huh. Jesse Lang, that's what I mean. Um, and Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, I watched that. I watched The Talented Miss Ripley, which is a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. It's a masterpiece. So good. Um, and then... Of, and then, of course, um, Malice, uh, which I, I just I can't believe I forgot about it. You know, go ask Malice. Um, go ask Malice. I watched Sliver, uh, which is is good. Uh, Diabolique, the remake is phenomenal. Um, I watched <clears throat> uh, Taking Lives, which sure, not so good. yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm I'm into these. I'm into this like thriller zone right now. There's something. Uh, that I that is holding my attention and is not like too scary, uh, or too too violent, um, and I'm yeah I'm enjoying that. It's it's kind of like a sleeping with the enemy type of world, right? Where there's it's not like ghosts and spooky stuff, you know. Yeah, it sounds like you are uh, just around the corner from maybe watching Murder by Numbers with Sandy Bullock. I did watch that. Uh huh. I, I figured that that if you're yep. gonna watch Taking Lives, you're probably gonna watch Murder by Numbers. Yeah. Yeah, with Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Let me tell you, uh, uh, Sandy Bullock, she she can do it. She's she great. Can do anything. She can do anything. She's yeah. I forgive. I forgive everything with her. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> just some things I have to forgive her for. That's all. You know. <laughs> Makes sense to me. Um, yeah, you know, When a Stranger Calls, I remember seeing the remake and I hated it, but I, but I do love the first one. Oh. So I might watch that again. Well, and that, honestly, you can watch like the first half hour in the last 15 minutes and skip the middle. Okay. It's just, it's because it, it all like leaves Carol Kane's character and it follows Charles Durning. And like you get some Colleen, oh. Colleen Dewhurst, but like it's no, you, you really just need to watch the Jill parts. And actually on YouTube, someone oh, edited Jill. it where it's just the Jill scenes. And I was like, that's it. Um, yeah. What about Kiss the Girls? Oh, you know what? I'm fr- oh, Kiss the Girls. The one that I forgot that I watched is Perfect Murder, which I also really enjoyed. Perfect Murder. Uh, oh, it's so satisfying. It's with Gwyneth Paltrow. Gwenny and Michael. Uh, and yeah. Michael Douglas mm-hmm. and Vigo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that one is also um, like it didn't need to be that. Well, it's it, I guess it's just calming because it's nostalgic. It is something it reminds me of an era, you know, the mm-hmm. music, the sets, uh, just just the tone, the filter of the movie. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So good. Uh, well, you know, there's, you know, listen, there's Hand That Rocks the Cradle, there's, 
you know, indecent proposal, God. disclosure. Indecent proposal, for sure. Yeah, indecent proposal. Disclosure, I never saw. That's the one with um, Demi Moore, with Tamara Thomas. Tamara Thomas, who loves anal, and Michael Douglas. I feel like that one is like... Oh, let's see. A computer specialist is sued for sexual harassment by a former lover turned boss who initiated the act forcefully, which threatens both his career and his personal life. So there you go. Um, yeah, yeah. What are you going to do? You know? Uh, don't disclose. Don't disclose. You better, you know, you better not tell anybody. Something told me not to disclose this guy. Yeah. Or else you're going to get sued. Yeah. Well, Marys, I think we're going to leave it there. If you have any thoughts, any thoughts at all on the Scream franchise, on Scream 3 with Parker Posey, uh, you can reach out to us on Instagram at AllRightMaryPod. You can email us at AllRightMaryPodcast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on the web at www.AllRightMary.com. And if you want, I'm taking a break from Instagram, but coming back soon. Uh, on Instagram, I am Johnny also. And you can find more of me on my other podcast, the Best Supporting Podcast, where we talk about best supporting actresses like, you know, Parker Posey or, you know, Lenore Gielgud from Troll 2. And I am not taking a break from Instagram, so you can find me uh, at Collindrucker underscore on Instagram. And of course, you can get more All of right. both of us. Right? Yes. Am I crazy? You get more of both of us because it's a free episode, so you are hearing this in the main feed, which means you may not already be a Matreon, and if you were, you could hear us talk about Drag Race UK Season 5 on Patreon right now, and you could also hear like uh, 300 back episodes, including old movie recaps, old, some old R8 scaries, uh, old seasons of drag stuff. You know, if you're only Marys, you could hear us talk about our lives. You could hear us do some brackets and some, you know, uh, breakdowns of very Delta moments. Uh, all of this at patreon.com slash all right, Mary. That's very Delta, Mary. Very Delta. Very Delta. Yeah. You know, if I grabbed your tit to the grocery store, I bet you'd be mad, wouldn't you? No, well, no, Mary's, I love you. Sorry. Go. Mary's, I, it, this has been a really, really great halloween all right scary season we're gonna keep it going for another week we have like a fall transition movie next week um but uh we're also gonna be watching dragula so we're gonna keep november and december spooky uh so fear not we have more spooky content coming uh with dragula so we will see you next week and have a happy halloween where secrets lie in the border fires and the humming.